fully loaded chew is tobacco-free, long cut, and pouches that gives you the same pack, dip, spit, and buzz that you're used to without tobacco. Fully loaded chew comes in nine flavors and is made with all food-grade ingredients and tobacco-free nicotine, the purest form of nicotine there is. To give us a try, head on over to FullyLoadedChew.com for a $1 can of chew with free shipping when you enter the code OUTDOOR1. O-U-T-D-O-O-R and the number one. Lastly, many outdoorsmen are trying to quit tobacco altogether and Fully Loaded Chew may be that first step. For more information on our product line, visit FullyLoadedChew.com. Hey guys and gals, welcome to the Oklahoma Outdoor Podcast where you will be educated, entertained, and equipped to get more out of your outdoor experience. So hold on tight because here we go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of the Oklahoma Outdoor Podcast. And let me tell you guys, I have had a day. <laughs> it's been one of those days. Uh, without exaggerating, I'm going to say this is probably the most stressful, crazy day I've had in probably like five years. Um, just at work, uh, my day started off with a uh, lawsuit threat. I then had to run across town uh, 45 minutes to go pay for some stuff uh, because one of our crews wouldn't pay for it. I then had to drive like an hour in the other direction to go take care of a, a little problem on a project we finished months ago but needed to be done. And then, uh, you know, just to cap it all off, uh, I tried to run by on my way home to pick up some fence pickets for a project I got to do tomorrow. And wouldn't you know it, they were out. <laughs> and so... Yeah, it's just been one of those crazy days. I've I've dealt with people, I've dealt with problems, I've dealt with time, I've dealt with pretty much everything. And so I'm actually like really looking forward to just sitting down and talking some hunting with you guys. And so that's what you guys have to offer me, and I love it. So I'm here, all that stuff is done, it's in the past, it, it happened, it's over with, I'm over it, and uh, I'm ready to get started. So... As you guys are listening to this, uh, we just finished up the Outdoor Nation Expo in Shawnee, Oklahoma. And so this is a little awkward because I'm recording this before the show. Y'all are going to be listening to this after the show. So if I met you, it was nice to meet you. I hope you guys uh, had a great time. I was the guy wearing the Oklahoma Outdoors t-shirt. And so, yeah, I am just going to assume that it was a fantastic show. I'm going to assume that there was lots of cool booths. Uh, I'm going to assume that everybody had a great time at the Craig Morgan concert. And so, yeah, I hope all that came true, and I hope everybody had a great time. As far as this show, I'm trying to think of uh, what updates I have. I don't think I talked about it last week. My number one buck from this previous season that I chased for months and months and never even saw with my own eyes showed up on trail camera. If you guys follow me on Instagram, you've already seen that picture. Uh, It wasn't the best picture. He was kind of far away, but... Uh, I have basically the identical picture uh, from that same spot a year before. I think it was like within a week. And so very positive it's him. Very excited. It's like it's a mix of excitement and with a little bitty side of dread because 
he just disappointed me so many times last year uh, that it it almost makes me nervous because I know I'm going to have my sights set on him. I know I'm going to be hoping that I can kill him, and I just don't know if it will happen. Um, where he kind of ended up last year, he was not betting on our property. He was just kind of an occasional visitor. There was one pretty good span where he sh- was showing up every single night at one of my feeders, but he would not break daylight. And uh, I'm trying to remember, I, I want to say he only broke daylight, I think, three times all year. Um, at least I got trail cam photos of. And in uh, all three of those, I mean, it was within like five to ten minutes of uh, of shooting light. And so... He's just an old smart buck, you know, that's how he got that way, that's how he got old, that's how he got big, and so it's it's exciting to see that he's there, but I just, you know, if I had to put like a percentage chance of me actually killing him, I'm going to say like maybe 20%, maybe, and the only reason it's that high is because I feel like as some of these bucks get older, they can get a little bit more daylight active, that's just kind of some experiences I've had, and so I know that's not true with every buck. Every buck has their own personality, but you know I gotta hold on to some hope. Got to got, I gotta have some reason to wake up in the morning and go out there and freeze my tail off. And so, like I said, I'm sure I'm probably gonna get a few pictures of him, and I'm probably gonna chase him harder than I should. But you know, it's just it's fun. That's that's part of why we do it. I also got some pretty decent bucks. It's kind of funny. Like I went from you know I put out several cameras, um, and. It was just like somebody opened up the spigot. Like I went from zero bucks, you know, every once in a while I'd get a doe or a pig or a coyote, but like zero bucks. And then just like all of a sudden, bam, I think I've gotten four different, like pretty decent bucks. You know, uh, one of them, one of them's on the fence of three and four year olds. And, uh, but I think I got three definite, like four or five year olds and older. And so that's always fun. And you know, I'm sure they're probably going to shift around when their velvet comes off and stuff, but it's it's just nice to know that there's some stuff in the area. And, um, you know, I think two two of the three biggest bucks I saw last year, um, you know, they didn't show up until basically October. And so, you know, I keep telling myself, don't get too crazy just yet. Don't get my hopes up too high just yet because there's just no way to know what's going to happen. So uh, other than that, Man, I'm getting excited for dove hunting. Um, the dove hunting on our place is like okay. Like we have a decent amount of dove, but they don't really migrate. It's just kind of like you basically get one good hunt. You know, like you get out there, you shoot a bunch of birds or a couple birds, and then that's kind of it because they just don't kind of refill themselves like they do in a lot of places. So excited to dove hunt. Uh, I can't remember if I've mentioned it on here or not, but uh, my buddy that I went turkey hunting with out in West Texas, we have planned a dove hunting trip out there. So I think we're going to go like the second weekend of September. Um, So excited for that. Going to do some dove hunting. Getting really fired up for duck season, like more than average. I don't know if it's the podcast or I I think part of it's just due to like talking to more people in the hunting world uh through the podcast and so getting excited for duck season um we got a few ponds that usually turn out pretty good uh over at my brother's place like i i would not consider myself a goose hunter i would love to be we just don't have that many geese but uh at my brother's place uh we do have a decent uh, goose population you know they'll kind of come through every now and again and so last year i actually shot my very first goose uh, a buddy of mine just we we just sat on a pond dam at a pond that they had been coming into like we didn't set out decoys or anything uh but i might try a little harder to do that i actually have a half dozen goose decoys that i bought with some cabela's points like 
five or six years ago. I don't know why I bought them, but I did. Uh, so I have a few decoys, and so you know. But as I've mentioned before, like the waterfowl just tend to usually kind of take a backseat to the deer hunting, and so we'll just see. You know, I I do think I want to do more duck hunting this year, more waterfowl in general. But we'll just kind of see because you know the deer are kind of my babies, so. So yeah, uh, man, been fishing a little bit, still not uh, not doing well in the fishing department. If any of you guys have some tips for me, I would absolutely love them because uh, I I'm not doing well in the fishing department. I uh, have learned that you know since I got this boat, I know how to catch fish in a small pond where they're nice and contained. But when I get out there on the big water, it's just a whole new world, and I'm. I have zero experience fishing lakes, and so I just don't know. I don't even know where to start. And uh, you know, my my boat came with a cheap fish finder. It doesn't work very well, and I I really don't trust it very well. And so I I definitely don't trust that it's showing me fish. Uh, I barely trust the depth that it's giving me. And so sometime down the road, I'm definitely going to have to upgrade that baby. But but yeah, any general fishing tips you guys can give me for fishing a lake. I would absolutely love it. Send me a, a message on Instagram or an email. Uh, I haven't given the email address in a while. It's okoutdoorswithanspodcast at gmail.com. So shoot me an email or a message, and uh, I would love all the tips I can get. So I think that's going to do it for uh, all the pre-interview chatter. We're going to get into this week's podcast. And uh, this week I'm going to be talking about, I'm kind of labeling it like tools of the trade. What you need to get out there and you know do some small land management all the way up to some massive land transformation so that's what we're going to be covering today i hope you guys are ready for it i'm excited to talk about it and yeah i'm going to shut this intro down and get right into it so here we go so as usual the hardest part of this podcast is getting started and so like i said we're going to talk about tools of the trade today just you know tools you can use as a land manager we're kind of going to start small and work our way big, and uh, you know we're going to cover everything from hand tools, UTVs, all the way up to to dozers and fellow bunchers, and uh, just to give you guys a quick little rundown of kind of my experience with this stuff. I think I've mentioned it on here. Uh, my dad owns and still operates a uh, right away company, so we clear right aways for power lines and and clean up afterwards and stuff, and so. You know, that's what I did in high school through college and worked for him for a couple years out of college uh, before I uh, went into the ranching stuff with my brother. And so, um, you know, I've been on the end of the shovel and I've been in, uh, you know, logging equipment the size of a small house. And so I have quite a bit of experience with all this stuff. And obviously with the ranching, you know, we had tractors and, and drills and everything like that. And so, but like I said, we're going to start small and basically kind of go through like the different categories, you know, like you'd be amazed with how much stuff you can get done on your property with nothing but hand tools. And then we're going to kind of take it up a notch and take it up a notch and then eventually, you know, get to the big stuff. And so, so yeah, I'm going to start out with the very small stuff, basically hand tools. And so, you know, if I had, if, if you came to me and said, Hey, you know, I've just bought 160 acres and I have a very small budget for stuff, but I want to get some stuff to improve the habitat. What should I buy? And so I got a list here. And I would tell you to buy a rake, a shovel, a hatchet or machete, a handheld sprayer, a hand seeder, and a pole saw. And that was kind of a long list, but you know, with all that stuff I just mentioned, you could almost get that entire list for a hundred bucks. The kicker might be the pole saw. You know, if you wanted a decent pole saw, you might have to spend like 
40 bucks, but all that other stuff, you know, you can get for pretty cheap. And, and you know, I just don't want to just give you these tools. I want to tell you what you can do with them too. And so I kind of came up with a list here. And so just with those small hand tools that I just mentioned, you know, you could plant a small food plot, you know, 10th of an acre, quarter of an acre or something. You could plant a screen to cover like your stand or your entryway or a plot, whatever. Uh, you could kill invasive species, you know, on your property. You could make mock scrapes. You could clear shooting lanes. If you're really adventurous, you could make a small watering hole. And uh, and you could plant around a pond for, you know, dove hunting or ducks, whatever you want to do. And, you know, honestly, a oh, excuse me, a small hand sprayer is almost better than like a big boom sprayer because you don't want to be, you know, throwing that boom out over your water and killing your fish and poisoning your water. So, so again, like just with those small hand tools, you can do a whole bunch. And that stuff, you know, not only can improve your property, but also just improve your hunting. You know, the mock scrapes. Great to put a, a camera over for inventory, you know, even set a stand up and try to kill something over, uh, you know, a small food plot tucked way back in the timber. You know, that's great. Like a lot of the times you can't even get a tractor back there anyway. And so just using some of these hand tools to make a little like quarter acre food plot can be super deadly. Um, what else was on our list? Killing invasive species. You know, that's a big one. Getting rid of stuff that you don't want there. Um, you know, just spraying, just walking around and spot spraying. If you're like, Hey, you know, that's a plant I don't want around here. Hit it with some, uh, some two, four D or something and kill it and be done with it. And so, like I said, just with a few small hand tools, a hundred dollar investment and some sweat, you can drastically improve your property. And so if you are on a budget, like I'm not going to say there's no excuse, but you can still do stuff even if you're on a very small, small budget. And so that's the hand tools. Going up one notch, and uh, I call these big hand tools, and just kind of, it's basically like taking it one step further. And uh, I got three on this list, and that is a chainsaw, a backpack sprayer, and a bag seeder. Like one of those slightly bigger, you know, you still work it with your hand, but it's kind of like, a lot of times they're like a satchel, you know, it's like a bag. You usually have a strap you can kind of sling over your shoulder to hold it. And, you know, a lot of times you can fit like, you know, at least 10 pounds of seed in there and you still, you know, work a crank with your hand, but just something bigger, you know, you're not refilling every five seconds. You can actually hold a substantial amount of seed and, uh, and get some serious business done. And, you know, obviously these things are slightly more expensive, but, uh, you know, you can get a lot more done and got my list here. You know, you can create a larger food plot. You know, you can go from that 10th of an acre to quarter acre up to, you know, quarter acre to half acre, um, just because it's a little easier on you, you know, that backpack sprayer, you're going to be able to cover more ground easier. You're going to get a better kill probably just cause you got a wider swath and, uh, just a little more, you know, accurate, um, with your chainsaw, you can cut in bedding areas, which can drastically, you know, improve your hunting. I've talked about that on previous episodes, taking your chainsaw in there, laying some trees over, you know, do it in a strategic way to where, you know, you can put them bedding where you want them to be bedding, you know, depending on where you're going to hunt or if you have, you know, a food plot or a feeder located, you know, you can, if you want the deer to come from the north, you can cut a bedding area into the north. If you want the deer from from the south, cut a bedding area to the south. And it just kind of helps control the deer movement a little bit. And you can do that to where it puts it in your favor. Uh, what else we got here? Clearing cedars. That's a huge one, guys. Um, man, like... 
out of all the things on this list, if I could only have one, it would it would probably be the chainsaw. You can do so much to your property with a chainsaw, guys. And cedars, unlike most trees, if you cut a cedar below the lowest limb, it will not stump sprout. Um, I've had foresters tell me that. I've heard it other places. Um, you know, if you cut like an oak or a hickory or whatever, you know, name the tree, just about anything you cut down is going to stump sprout and, you know, cause, can cause future problems. Um, deer also love those stump sprouts, though, so don't get rid of them too quick, or at least all of them. But uh, anyway, but yeah, with a cedar, you probably don't want cedars growing back. And like I said, as long as you, you know, just cut it flush or below the lower limb, and that tree will not grow back. And so you can do a lot of good with that. And uh, and yeah, like I said, you just kind of one tier higher, um, still very affordable, you know. And maybe you don't go out and buy it all at once. Uh, I just got a chainsaw this last Christmas. My wife and my mom split it. Um, so I'm good to go there. You know, backpack sprayers. Yeah, I want to say you can get those for 40, 50 bucks. And then those bag seeders really aren't that much more expensive than a hand seeder, you know, 10 to 20 bucks. And so, you know, that's again, this stuff, you know, maybe you can't, all, can't go buy it all at once, but just kind of spread it out over time. And it's just kind of that next step. Like once you get in, once you be able to, or can fall a tree, that's kind of like a whole nother realm when it comes to hunting and land management. And so that's where that layer falls in. All right. After big hand tools, we're going to step it up one more notch and we're getting into small motorized stuff. And so this is, you know, once again, obviously price is jumping up a little bit. Commitment's jumping up a little bit, but with all that comes, you know, a step higher kind of on the management scale. And so when I'm talking about small motorized, I listed a four wheeler, a side by side and a lawnmower of those three. If I had to put those in order, it would probably go number one, side by side, number two, four wheeler, number three, lawnmower. Now, that being said, those are also just so happen to be pretty much in price order. And so, you know, a side-by-side is going to be more than a four-wheeler. A four-wheeler is going to be more than a lawnmower. But a four-wheeler can do more than a lawnmower, and a side-by-side can do more than a four-wheeler. So that's why they're in that order and probably why they cost more. Uh, But again, big advantages. One, just getting around your property. You know, you don't have to beat your truck up or your car up to get around. You can take those. Um, one of the biggest, like probably the biggest to jumping up to this category is you can bump up to a boom sprayer. Um, you can, you know, you you can obviously just get a bigger tank sprayer that, you know, still works with a wand, but almost all four wheelers and especially the, you know, the bigger side by sides, like a Ranger or a mule or Kawasaki is a mule, Kubota, you know, something like that. If you can bump up to a boom sprayer in, you know, I'm not talking big, but, you know, five to 10 feet, you know, covering 10 feet at, you know, three to five miles an hour while sitting in a seat, you're going to get way more sprayed than walking with a little backpack sprayer that you got to refill every 10 minutes. And so, you know, again, like there, you know, you're talking about going from, you know, maybe a half acre food plot up to one to two acres you know if you're real committed there's no reason you can't do two acres or or even bigger you know if you really got the time Uh, but not only can you bump up to a boom sprayer but you can bump up to a like battery powered broadcast seeder and i've used these before awesome they make a bunch of different seeders that plug into your cigarette lighter you know you can control the flow you can have it put out more or less seed um, a lot of them you control from the cab, you know, they have a long cord, 
And again, just kind of talking about that food plot game, uh, not only can you cover a bigger area way easier, uh, you can also you know use it for fertilizer. And uh, shoot, I'm not afraid to pour some corn in there and use it as a road feeder if I need to. And so, uh, so yeah, boom sprayer and broadcast are big. And, you know, they're even making some implements, like small implements for, uh, especially the side-by-side, um, you know, four-wheeler. I think they do make like a small plow for a four-wheeler. Um, not sure how good a job it would do. But, uh, but for a side-by-side, I mean, there are companies making no-till drills to pull behind your side-by-side now. Um, if any of you guys are familiar with, you know, Wired to Hunt and Mark Kenyon and followed his Back 40 deal last year, uh, you know, he had a side-by-side and, like, a, a mower that he put behind, had its own motor, fire the motor up, pull it around, and, uh, you know, you got a little mini brush hog. Great for clearing your pot, plots if you need to, but also mowing trails, you know, your entry and uh, exit trails. Um, just trails to get around the property, obviously, around the uh, around your cabin. And so, again, just kind of bumping it up a little bit. It just gives you more options. All right, guys, sorry, this is a super hard transition. <laughs> After the fact, I realized that I wanted to uh, give some UTV suggestions, and I forgot about that when I did it. And so this is me coming back in to talk about some UTVs and or side-by-sides and my recommendations. And I obviously have not driven every one on the market, but I have driven quite a few. We've owned several different ones. Uh, you know, buddies own some, and so... Um, I'm not necessarily going to rank them. I'm kind of going to go through some of the major brands and just talk about some pros and cons. And so uh, if I had to kind of give like a a category, I would kind of put like Kawasaki Mule and Kubota in the same category. Like they're they're more of the workhorse type and not the sporty type. And uh, so we currently own a Kawasaki Mule. We own the diesel engine one. And I would not recommend it to anyone. <laughs> I, I hate that thing. I'm sorry if someone out there listening works for Kawasaki. Um, you know, if you're just going to put around your ranch and look at stuff, it works great. But uh, it just it has no get up and go. You know, our cows outrun it. Um, I've gotten stuck in it. I don't know how many times. It only has like four inches of ground clearance, and so if the ground is soft at all, it's not necessarily like it doesn't have the power to get out but it bottoms out. And so that's the big problem with that. So if I had to choose between the mule and the Kubota, I would probably go with the Kubota. I don't have a ton of experience with it. Um, but you know, I've, I've ridden one in a couple times. So between those two, I definitely go Kubota, um, go into the more sporty models, you know, your Polaris's, um, John Deere Gator, uh, Can-Am, that type of thing. Uh, we have had two John Deere Gators and, I, I can't say they aren't built tough. You know, they didn't last super long for us. But I will say, I mean, we abused the heck out of those things. You know, we drove them every single day around the ranch. Um, you know, we were chasing cows. In, we were basically using them as horses. You know, chasing cows in them, uh, fixing fences. I mean, we beat the crap out of those things. And so, granted, they didn't last super long, but we were very hard on them. And so, I don't know how those two things even out. Um, Players Ranger, you know, probably one of the more tried and true ATVs on the market. Um, they are a little more spendy. Um, they are pretty nice, though. Um, they are a little bit more expensive to fix. Um, but you know, most people, when they picture or think of a side by side, 
the Polaris Rangers what they picture, you know. And so I, I, I definitely not going to say anything bad about them. Um, they are a little more on the spendy side, um, I, but I think they are a pretty darn good machine. If uh, <laughs> funny, funny enough, one of the ones I have the least experience enough, but I would probably recommend the highest would be the Can Am. Um, heard a lot of good things. Um, I've talked to several mechanics and. Almost all the mechanics I know, K&M is what they go for. I think they're just built a little better. Um, they might not be quite as like flashy and stuff as the Polaris is. Um, you know, they may not have quite the top speed, but most people aren't going to be, you know, out there, you know, driving from deer stand to deer stand trying to go 60 miles an hour. And so I don't think speed is your highest concern if you're buying one for your property. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, I think for more of the workhouse Workhorse, sorry, not house, workhorse. Uh, Kubota might be the, the best option for your more sporty ones that are, you know, you can have some fun on, but also work. I think I'd probably go with the Can-Am. So, sorry about this uh, weird, awkward uh, deal, but I just wanted to throw uh, some suggestions out there for you guys. So, there you go. Back to the normally scheduled program. All right, scooting right along here, we have made it to our medium-sized motorized equipment. And what I'm talking about here are your utility tractors and i'm going to throw a skid steer in there also and uh you know if i had a, a piece of property of my own and somebody gave me the choice and said hey either one is free but you have to choose one you either get a 45 horsepower tractor or a skid steer it would be really hard for me to pick one um they're very different um but both are super useful and for me i think it would come down to how much of my property is tillable versus like timber. If I had more of a, a rugged timber type property, honestly, I'd probably rather go for the skid steer because I'm probably going to be more concerned with access, with roads, you know, just getting around the property. Um, you know, I'm probably going to have some elevation. So, you know, I could use the skid steer to do some dirt work to, you know, maybe build a little pond or drainage and stuff like that. Uh, also just clean up, you know, push limbs around, uh, you know, do some basic dirt work type stuff. Uh, if my property was a lot more tillable, then I would probably go for the tractor because that's going to be the main use of that tractor. And, you know, again, kind of like we always, you know, bumping it up on gear, you know, when you get to that kind of 40 horsepower and up type tractor, you know, then you're talking about some real attachments. You know, you can, you can pull a decent sized boom uh, sprayer with that. You know, you can get a, you know, realistic, you know, probably up to like an eight foot um, no-till drill, you know, something like that. Um, and so you're, you're talking about, you know, as far as food plots, like you're talking almost as big as you want to go, you know, you're probably not going to go out there and plant 20 acres, but most people aren't planting 24, 20 acre food plots anyway, but you know, your, your three to five acre food plots, absolutely no problem with that deal. You know, it's going to take a little bit longer, but absolutely doable. And you know, you're riding a tractor. It's not like you're having to walk or anything like that. So it may take a little time, but you can definitely get it done. And so that's the big deal for the tractor. Um, like I said, with the skid steer, your, your dirt moving ability is, is awesome there, but also with that tractor, you know, when, when you get a tractor that size, usually it's going to come with a front end loader, or at least you can get a front end loader for it. I think they even have like backhoe attachments now for tractors that size. And so you got some, some dirt moving ability there for your, you know, watering holes and crossings and stuff. Uh, another big advantage when you get to this size 
you know, carrying stuff, uh, like raising your, you know, carrying your blinds around, raising your blinds, you know, using the, the, the bucket to, you know, st- lift stuff into the air, uh, moving feeders, filling feeders, you know, you can throw bags of corn in the bucket and raise it up there to where you don't have to haul them up there or climb a ladder or something like that. And so again, obviously, you know, more money, that's just a given kind of as we go down the list. But you're also able to just do a lot more things than you can do with, you know, hand tools or, like I said, you know, an ATV or a a side-by-side. You can't move dirt with that stuff. You know, you can shovel it into the back if you want and haul it, but you can't actually use the machine to push it, really. And so that's the biggest thing going from kind of the small stuff up to the medium stuff. And for... For your average landowner, like, if you know, if you buy a piece of property to just hunt and, you know, maybe throw a few cows out there or something, this is really all you need. You know, we're going to go one level higher, um, but it's kind of, that's almost luxury type stuff. Uh, you know, if you had a, a small utility tractor and a chainsaw, you can, you know, clear all the food plots you want. You can, you know, clear your bedding areas. You can drag stuff around. You can do all that good stuff. And so, like I said, for the average person, this is kind of where the list ends. But like I mentioned, I am going to go that one step further. We're going to talk about large motorized. And so I'm talking about your full-size tractors, your dozers, your fellow bunchers, uh, excavator, whatever you want to throw in there, any large equipment. This is the stuff that can, like, truly transform a property. You know, like, you know, with a small tractor, you can plant a food plot. But with this equipment you can create a food plot. You know, you can go into your timber and instead of trying to like find a little opening that you might be able to, you know, clear a few more cedar trees to take it from like a tenth of an acre to a quarter acre, you know, you can make as big a one as you want. You know, um, on our property, we had a nice little uh, creek bottom, kind of acted like a little river bottom, like it was real rocky around it, but then you get along this creek and it was just real rich soil. And so over time, we ended up clearing out like uh, over five acres for a nice little food plot way back in the timber. Um, So yeah, like I said, this is for like your transforming stuff. And obviously with this type of equipment, you know, if you're a weekend warrior or a normal person, you're probably not going to be buying this stuff. Um, You know, this is a, can be very expensive equipment for somebody to buy. But a lot of the stuff you can rent, um, you know, even like small dozers, like you don't even have to have a big dozer to do a lot of this stuff. Uh, you know, we have an old 1971 John Deere. I think it's a 650, you know, not a big machine. All the windows are gone. All the doors are gone. It's, you know, it's old and worn out. But man, like you can do some business or some clearing with that, um, you know, especially if it's just cedars, like, you know, overgrown cedar patches, you can go through and, you know, up to, I'm going to say up to like a good eight inch cedar tree, you can take that, the quarter of your blade and just about pop that thing out of the ground. Like it barely even leaves a hole in the ground. And so I've done a lot of clearing with that little 1971 650. Um, you know, a full t- full size tractors, that's obviously nice, nice if you're going to the bigger food plots, um, you know, running a mower, um, all that good stuff. Honestly, for me, like, I almost feel like I'm, I'm not going to say cursed, but uh, I'm not as blessed as a lot of people would imagine. Like, I feel like a lot of landowners dream of having the big tractor and the big no-till drill and all that stuff. But from a hunter's perspective, it's almost an annoyance. Like, I I wish we had a smaller drill. And I know there's some of you, you know, going to be rolling your eyes at me. But, uh, you know, we have a 17-foot-wide John Deere drill 
And, uh, like, it doesn't even fit through gates, much less down my little wagon roads to get down into the timber spots. And so it's actually a hassle for me trying to find places that are, you know, good deer habitat or where I want to put my food plots that I can get this equipment to. And, uh, you know, the bigger tractors, they're taller, they're wider. You got to clear more trees. You got to cut limbs off. Um, So, yeah, like... Just because you have a big tractor doesn't necessarily mean you're going to plant more food plots or better food plots. Um, So I just wanted to throw that out there. But if you're in a nice wide open, obviously, yeah, a big tractor and a big drill is nice. Big sprayer is really nice. Um, You know, we have a big enough sprayer, again, for the ranch, you know, that uh, I can fill it up one time, put my chemical in there, and I can go spray all my different plots all at one time without having to refill or anything. So that is really nice. But again, obviously not needed. Um, Yeah, man, the dozers are awesome. Uh, Again, you don't have to have it like I talked about earlier. Um, But man, even just, you know, if you wanted to rent one for a weekend or two weekends or something, or, you know, spread it out over time, rent it for one weekend this year and one weekend next year, and, you know, slowly grow those plots um, or, you know, build those roads, work on those crossings, whatever you got to do. Really awesome for that. Um, man, a fellow buncher, I know that's something you probably can't get away with renting. Um, you know, we have them, like I mentioned earlier, because of my dad's business, and that's definitely something, you know, you can't exactly just, like, haul that out there for the weekend, but... Once or twice, the stars have aligned to where, you know, it's been between jobs and, you know, they could drop it off for a few days, you know, on their way to the next job or something. And uh, you want to talk about clearing some bedding areas. <laughs> like I said, you know, with a bedding area, I don't want to, I don't want to pull the tree up. I really, I want to cut it down and leave that stump because I want some stump sprouts to grow up. You know, that stuff is really, really nutritious for deer, great cover and everything. And so, man, you can take that fell buncher into the woods and in no time at all, you can clear, you know, one to three acre bedding area right where you want it. And so that is super nice. And I I know I feel spoiled. I am spoiled in that regard. Um, But again, like I think I've only got to do that twice in all the time we've owned it. Um, But, you know, it's something that maybe you can uh, hook up with a logger, get a logger in there, go out there beforehand, mark your areas and have a logger come in there and either take the logs or just cut them down for you and leave them there. You know, whatever works for you and him. So that's an option. Let's see what I got on my list here. Large food plots. Clearing new plots. Clearing bedding areas. Making ponds. You want to talk about a pond? Yeah, you get a dozer in there. You can build you a nice big pond. Uh, making roads. And again, moving blinds and feeders. You know, with our, our bigger tractors, we got hay spikes on them, obviously, cause for the you know hay for the cows. Uh, you know, we have a few, uh, old blinds that are ten on 10 foot towers. I just use the hay forks, pick them up with the tower, carry them around, set them down. Super nice, super handy. Definitely spoiled in that regard. I'll give you that one. I'm very spoiled with that, but you know, it's Oklahoma. It's not like we're the only ones who have big tractors around. Uh, I can almost guarantee you your, you know, if you have a hunting property, your neighbor or the guy across the street or somebody around there probably has a tractor. And so, you know, if you have a good enough relationship with them, Maybe they'll let you borrow it. You know, if not, maybe you can, you know, slide them a few dollar bills and get them to come over and do it for you. Um, you know, pay for the diesel, something like that. So, you know, like I said, this stuff is obviously awesome to have, but it's not necessarily like you have to buy it. Like, you know, if, if you have 100 acres and it's just a strictly hunting property, you don't need to go out there and buy a giant tractor to have out there just so you can do a few of these things. Or you don't need to go buy a dozer. Like I said, 
You can rent this stuff. You can work out deals with people. I'm just talking about you know what you can do with this stuff and how you can use it to improve your property. So don't let that crazy big expensive stuff get you down too much. Like I said, there's plenty you can do without it. Um, you know, don't think you have to have all this stuff to improve your property. Like I talk talked about on the first one, the small hand tools. You can do so much, so much to improve the quality of the hunting on your property with a rake and a shovel, you know, or a hand seeder and a little sprayer. You can do so much to improve your property, guys. So get out there, get you some hand tools. You know, if you have the money, get you something a little bigger. Wherever you're at on this list, make it work. The important thing is that you get out and you put in the work and the effort to make your property better. Well, folks, that's going to do it for this week. Sorry, this one's a little shorter, like I mentioned at the beginning. It has been an incredibly long day and an incredibly long week. So this one's a little short and sweet, but I hope you guys enjoyed it. I had fun prepping for it and getting it done. Uh, but next week, I have a very exciting podcast coming. Uh, someone I've been trying to schedule for a few weeks now, and we finally got our schedules to align. And so, uh, yeah, definitely be looking forward to next week. It's one that, again, like I said, I've been looking forward to it for a while now. And I think it's going to be super educational for everybody, including myself. And so you're definitely going to want to tune in next week. Um, again, the shows this weekend are, man, I, I really don't know how to talk about this. It's weird. I'm going to a show this weekend when you all are listening to this. The show will already be over. So I hope you had fun. And uh, other than that, I think uh, that's going to do it. So I hope you guys have a great week. Uh, stay safe out there. Get ready, guys. I know I'm saying it every week, but it's absolutely true. We're like halfway through August right now. Actually, I think exactly halfway. So, yeah, uh, dove season's coming up before we know it. Uh, early teal season. And then after that, we're just going to be full steam ahead. Absolutely full steam ahead. So get ready for it. Uh, go out there, shoot your gun, shoot your bow, and go fishing. <laughs> All right, guys, that's it for this week. I will see you guys later. 